do sit down. We're just about to have some tea. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not panic, but scream. Scream for your lives. Hey weirdos, the kettle's boiled. Welcome to Tea for Terror, where we take a favourite horror film and dissect it over a nice cup of tea. I'm your host, Andrew Graves, and my guest today is here to tell us to take the third channel off. To stop it, please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. Welcome, James Whittington. How you doing, mate? Yeah, Andrew. Andrew, that's a great introduction. That <laughs> it's exactly like the film. <laughs> yeah, it's like like you're always there. I was always there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, how you doing? What have you been up to? Um, really, we're getting ready for Nick's UK to launch properly under Freeview soon. Uh, we're just getting all that ready. Um, free air content is, is sparse at the moment for, for horror fans, and I think they found a nice up in the market it's available on their website at the moment and through free view through channel blocks and things like that but this is the first dedicated channel we're going to have so fingers crossed that goes okay over the next few weeks okay so uh do you want because i know i mean cause i i got to know you via different people friends of friends and and i know you you know some people will know you through your connection with what was the horror channel but is now mm-hmm. called legend so do you want to tell us how you got involved in that and the sort of process and what your angle is well horror channel as originally was what was based up here in the northeast and um i i just came across a accident on the website looking for a freelance work and I noticed on their website there was a it was an error or a fact that was wrong about the film. So being the type of geeky fan I am, I emailed them and said, by the way, did you know this is wrong? And uh, they said, all right, thanks for letting us know. Um, if you say anything else, you know, please get in touch. And I spotted two or three more and got in touch and said, look, let's have a meeting, okay? And at the time, it was a very small crew. Um, and they had this fictional character called Jason Jones, who used to do the editorial and stuff like that. And said, look, you ought to be Jason Jones for a while. And I think this was about 2005, 2006. And, um, yeah, of course, I want to do that. Horror has always been a passion of mine. Because um, I was writing for Dark Side at the time as well. And um, it went from there. It, you know, I, I started doing more features in there, news features, articles, interviews, um, posts on the website, expanding content. And then it was bought by a company called Zone uh, in about 2006. And everybody got moved down to London. And uh, they kept me on, and actually, I'm still with them now. Uh, I do all the legend website and social feeds and things like that. So it's a different base, it's different genres now. Um, you know, it's, it's not for horror fans anymore, except for the vintage vault on a, on a Saturday on a Sunday night. But it's still, you know, a really good quality channel. Like six million dollar man's on there and things like that. So it's, it's plenty for me to enjoy as well as everybody else. So yeah. basically, is I've been I've been lucky to stay with them all the way through this. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess you know, I because to be honest, I mean, like a lot of people, I don't spend a lot of time watching sort of live TV as it happens because that's you know that's the nature of how things are. I'm kind of busy and you know usually mm-hmm. stream stuff or whatever or, or, or physical media, but I guess when I do sit down. 
you know, things like legend and, and maybe talking pictures are something I would, you know, certainly tap into yeah. someone be of, of a certain age, you know, you, you can't, you can't, it is, you know, and both, I, I guess, uh, and certainly with legend and those TV shows, like you mentioned, like $6 million man and stuff like that. I mean, it's always going to attract a certain audience and, you know, because it, yeah. there is something, I mean, yeah, we can always buy the box sets and obviously, you know, I'm surrounded by box sets. I'm a box set kind of guy, but, there's something nice. I mean, what I really like about those kind of channels is that when uh, me and my wife go on, if we go on holiday in this country, we tend to go to like Scarborough and places like that, like like the sort of North Coast. And what's nice about it is that very often we'll be staying in a little B and B or a little cottage or whatever, and you just basically get what what there is. You know, it's kind of very analog sort of TV setup. There's not like hundreds of channels. It's just and I like yeah. like it when there's like limits. Sometimes when you're faced with a complete limitation, it takes me back to being a kid. And it's like, because yeah. I, you know, I've, I've said over and over again on this podcast, one of the reasons I'm into the kind of films I'm into is because you were exposed to them at a fairly young age. You know, had I had access to a 24 hour cartoon channel, then I would have watched that definitely. <laughs> but because I yeah. wasn't, I got into sort of Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi and all these things that I wouldn't mm -hmm. have had access to or I wouldn't, you yeah. know, I'd, I'd have bypassed um, when I was younger if I'd had stuff that was made deliberately for me. Uh, mm -hmm. Fortunately, depending on how you look at it, fortunately or unfortunately, I, I wasn't. So, um, yeah, but so I think those little niche channels, I think I think they're still really important. And I think, you know, I, I'm glad that they're still there. And, and so, you know, it's, it's similar in a way to sort of physical media i mean to most people physical media doesn't exist you know it's kind of yeah. a, a bygone thing but to me not you know I, I earn part of my living through writing for physical media products but also i love them i just i just yeah love, yeah love the feet and I, I think part of that will never die you know no. people kind of wrote off vinyl you know 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah look but, at it now exactly you know and it, it because there is some we we are quite Maybe it's an age thing. I don't know, but I think there is part of us which is very. We like tangible things. We like to have them in our hands, you know. Um, so yeah, and I, I th think that channels are a little bit like that as well. Yeah, I think I think we were really lucky just to have the three channels and the four channels when you know growing up because we were exposed to some really good quality television. If if we didn't have if we had too much choice from younger, we wouldn't know about some of these things like the Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman and the A-Team and things like that. Stuff that will always sell, you know, on box sets, Blu-rays and inevitable 4K release later on. But, you know, if it's on the chat, if it's on TV, like I will always watch Six Million Dollar Man or Doctor Who or a Hammer film, you know, I'll, even if I've got it, you know, even if I've gotten Laserdisc or if I've gotten new 4K, I will watch it, you know, and I think that's where we're lucky because we know we can appreciate what went to these pieces of TV and cinema. Yeah. So, James, what you, because obviously you mentioned, you know, you're passionate about horror uh, yeah. and obviously a connection with legend and the horror channel and all that stuff. So, but what was, what was really your entry point into horror? How, how, you know, we've kind of touched upon it there, but is there any sort of key entry points for you in terms of why you ended up being obsessed with it? I think it's the classic staying up on a Saturday night, double bills on BBC Two. Um, you know, and then in the northeast, I don't know if you had it around the country. We had also had a strand on our regional TV on a Friday night called Fear on Friday. Yep. And they used to show them the more bloody stuff like 
the more amicus horror. And I think because I was young and staying up late to watch that with my dad was a key element. I think that's something I still carry on watching horror films with my two daughters who, who love watching certain horror. Um, and I think it's just, it brings back so many fond memories of growing up and watching these things. And I was lucky enough to, well, sort of lucky enough to go through the video nasty's age and, you know, getting exposed to Fulci young and things like that. It was, it was just something about watching something with, with my dad, watching something that was slightly scary and he was enjoying it because he'd seen most of them in the cinema at the time. He would say, we'd have to watch this one. And he, he'd never really fall asleep, you know, halfway <laughs> through the first one. And I'd, I'd watch it. But it, I think it's because of and that connection was straight there. You know, it, it makes me feel happy and, and, and warm. And I always, I can't put a horror film on without thinking of my dad. It, it doesn't matter what it is. I always think of watching films like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And again, you know, I mentioned this before, but I, I think, as much as you know because i'm i've said it a lot but i'm a big advocate of 21st century horror i think some superb stuff being made this century mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. it's brilliant stuff you know oh yeah um but yeah there's no there's no doubt that like a lot of people unlike yourself real nostalgia for those kind of saturday mm -hmm. nights and i'm sure you know they, they were much rarer you know uh, mm -hmm. there and they were kind of regular every year sort of thing for a while mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I, and I, I'm exactly the same. I remember it was my dad. My dad was a miner, and so as yes, miners it. did, it, it yep. pissed at the weekend and <laughs> back with, you know, lots of bags of chips uh, for me and my brother and uh, my mom, and we'd sit and watch those horror mm -hmm. films on a Saturday night. You know, it, it's just, mm -hmm. just uh, and I, you know, that's f for me, that's, that's just my upbringing. That's all I can think of is, the smell of chips, my dad's crap aftershave, you know, high karate or whatever it was, yes. and Boris Karloff, you know, that's that's it, you know, that's mm -hmm. kind of, that's who I was when I was that age, and thank God that mm -hmm. parents were more slack in the 70s, <laughs> they just didn't, you know, I, I yeah. remember my mom, I'd been to bed for like two hours or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it must have been like seven or eight, and my mom waking me up and saying, oh, the horror films just started downstairs. Come, come on! <laughs> said, yeah, when would that happen? Now, you know, you, you so, wouldn't do that yeah. with a romantic comedy, would you? No, no, you wouldn't. No, you <laughs> wouldn't. Romantic comedy double bill on. You've got to go and see it. But I think it's because they knew. That's exactly it. They knew I was obsessed with it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, again, it's like and obsessed to the point of, you know, I had the Alan Frank books and the Dennis Gifford books. Yeah. Just just flicking through those and waiting for those films to come on TV, you know, and just, just hoping and praying that you could watch them all, you know, and tick them oh. off your list. It was, I wasn't a sports fan, so horror was no. sports to me. It was just, that no. was it, you know. Horror I'm not built for sports. Yeah. Horror and comics, yeah. I'm yeah. not built for sports. I'm definitely built for sitting down and appreciating the film. <laughs> yeah. No. Yes. But, but oh. yeah, the, those books, I used to have, um those ones yeah you know the the covers just grabbed you straight away anyway yeah. and and the the, the full color pictures I, I remember pouring over them i used to have the osborne there's an osborne book guides to the supernatural and things like that and the yeah, 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 unexplained yeah. magazine the part yes. works and i remember that having a um a flexi disc with the first issue that was meant to be uh evps of winston churchill and things like that absolute rubbish but oh, i was Great. If I had it now, I'd still listen to it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it was because, you know, like I said, like Dennis Gifford and your Alan Frank books. But, yeah, it was as much about those 
unexplained magazines and and this mm-hmm. this stuff that might have been real most of it was bollocks but it might have been yeah. real. <laughs> uh, you know and arthur c Clarke's mysterious world and all that yeah i, I think that that used to kind of shit me up more than sort of a classic horror film because it, there was always this because it was arthur c clark and he was a serious guy and it was like obviously he was just doing a bit of old flannel just to get some money towards the end of his career but as far as you were aware as a kid it was all this is real this is real what's happening this when, happens and i remember um i think it was one new year's eve i don't know if you remember there was um I think it was 19 it was the cusp of 79 80 i think and and mm-hmm. there was like a uf i remember there, there was like a uf i think it turned out to be venus or something like that but there's yeah. a story on the news on new year's eve yeah. about this this alien this ufo site yeah and i remember just <laughs> shitting myself thinking this that, is it this is it it's over you know <laughs> this is it expecting some sort of george pal disaster <laughs> around the corner but yeah, yeah that, the... that was it absolutely and, and it said it, it's it's like more more simpler times yeah. you know that that was our research that was our, our google and stuff like that and if, if you missed it you know you, you have to wait months if it ever got uh, years before anything like that got repeated well, exactly, you know, just, yeah. You, yeah. you know there, there, there were certain things you know i mean there's still certain films from there's a couple of films from that gifford book which, I, which i've still not seen because i don't think no. they, can, they exist in physical media form you know <laughs> And I, yeah. but I remember, you know, seeing that, uh, as I've, I've mentioned before, but um, seeing in the uh, Alan Frank book, that that's still from Freaks and, and just being wow, what is this? By, what is this? Mm-hmm. And thinking, I'm, I am never going to see that film. You know, it's been banned for 30 <laughs> years. I'm never going to see that film. And now, no you know, the Blu-ray's out on Monday and I'm, you know, yeah. the Criterion Blu-ray with the un- with the unknown and stuff like that and it's like wow it's it's um, it all it all comes to pass eventually so mm-hmm. hopefully uh you know all of those things will be released before i cock it <laughs> <laughs> i'll put your time so, so i can tick tick my boxes uh <laughs> so uh yeah i think i think we'll go into the film we're going to look at today so we are going to examine um halloween three season of the witch from time you came across this film it was i remember seeing a cover of fangoria and it had the the witch image on the cover the black and white one i think it was issue 22 23 and it was the back end of 82 i saw it and it also had a, a feature with pink floyd the wall so it, it helped yeah, me yeah, get yeah. pink floyd at the same time and i just remember thinking oh i've heard of halloween i've heard that it's brilliant i think before this was a Halloween had been on TV. May not. Either way, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't aware it was Carpenter at all. I just thought it was something about that image that grabbed me, and I read the feature. and I thought this is going to be brilliant, and I didn't see it for about three or four years till it actually came on um, for rental. I think it was about eighty five, eighty six when it came for rental, and that's when the first time I saw it. 
and uh, I, I just didn't realize you know how completely different it was to the series of the Halloween movies when I eventually got to see it um I just thought it was brilliant I thought this was Twilight Zone next level maybe a good combination because the Outer Limits was always a more serious I thought series to to the Twilight Zone I thought this is this would be brilliant as an anthology series and unfortunately that never happened and and seeing the film for the first time because I didn't know it was cut when you know when it's still cut I think in the UK and uh, I just thought it was a brilliant idea, a, a really, like the thing, a really down film, if you know what I mean. It was very real, it was very gritty. It was, there was no real heroes in it as such. You know, everybody was fallible in it. Um, like Tom Atkins is always, you know, as a failed parent, getting divorced, even though later on he does get off with a younger, a woman considerably younger than him. Uh, we'll come back to Tom Atkins yeah. in a second, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I just think it was, it was something while I read in that Fangoria article, I just thought, this is going to be good. This is going to be different. This is witchcraft, science fiction, possibly violence. You know, I just read it about that. And that's what really grabbed me. Yeah, well, I, you know, because it's obviously it's, it's based on an idea initial, that initially Nigel Neal had come up with, obviously, <laughs> from, you know, Quatermass and all that kind of stuff. So it, did, it, it, it was that kind of much more, you know, science fiction-y stroke supernatural type horror. And <laughs> and obviously it, it, it became a very, you know, very quickly became <laughs> a fairly bastardised version of what Nigel Neal had done. I don't know <laughs> Nigel Neal ripped his name off the product, but um, it, that was <laughs> the starting point. But... Um, it is. I mean, I think the interesting thing about it is, uh, I mean, because yeah, I think it's it's a great idea. It's a great premise, um, oh. and, and it was very brave to go in a completely different direction, sort of midway through okay. a franchise. Um, but I think it's it, it it has this this. It, it just feels there's something more uncanny about it, and it, and it. But it also. The other thing it taps into is that what really the first films, I mean, obviously Halloween 78 would have been a theatrical, all these films had theatrical releases, but mm -hmm. very much it was only a theatrical release. And then you mm -hmm. had the second film, which was really still before the video age had mm -hmm. really kicked off. But I think by the time you get to this one, whether they intended it or not, this is very clearly a film that it's not a video nasty but it no. is very aware mm -hmm. that there is a new way of viewing films now and i think you know in in that sense it's pro you know it didn't do that well at the box office which is why they ended up going back to michael myers for mm -hmm. the fourth uh, installment although to be fair i mean I, I was checking the fact the figures and stuff and actually even though they kind of they were very down you know the producers were very down mm -hmm. on this film because it didn't do as well as the others halloween 4 didn't really do that much better than this film so it, it's it, you know it's it wasn't necessarily about michael myers but i guess it was just mm -hmm. people's perception of that franchise uh mm -hmm. on what they're expecting i mean for me uh you know just on paper as much as i mm -hmm. love carpenter's original halloween and i have a soft spot for halloween too yeah. um you know as much as you know halloween is great um I, you know if you if i was going to do a franchise i would do this this is <laughs> th this this seems like it could build into a bigger world 
because what you've really what you've got with Halloween, which I think you know it ran its course years ago to me. Yeah, it's just absolutely. a guy going back into the same street. That's that that's far more limiting, yeah. really, for storytelling so, purposes. This can go on and on and on. The whole idea of Silver Shamrock that could be yeah. anything. You know, that could just go on and on. It's very apocalyptic in its thing for that. You know, it's a global horror rather than like an urban horror. And I think that's what did it because going back to what got me into horror, um, my dad used to fix cars for his friends on a, on a night for extra, extra money. And so we had a, like a car part shops down the street. And this is June, a time when anywhere could be, could you have a rental library? And being a car part shop, the titles were a little bit more non family friendly. So I, I saw Cannibal Ferox and Cannibal Holocaust long before I saw saw this. So, you know, I was used to, to gore and things like that and extreme horror. Um, but there was just something about Halloween 3 that I just thought was it was clean. It was clean horror. The, the tension, especially at the beginning of the film, and the score, you know, it's just brilliant, you know. Um, and that, that's what, you know, gave me a fresh, a fresh perspective on horror because I was – I was used to really extreme Italian horror by then. I, you know, Hammer slightly bored me because I was a, you know, I was an impressionable teenager and I wanted to brag about what I'd seen. But there was just something about this and, and, and you know, the, the amount of layers you can see on it now. I, I just don't know why it didn't fi really find an audience. Yeah, it's it's odd because um, it it does seem to tap into a lot of things uh, that perhaps. You know, even something like Halloween too, which I, I don't mind, but it 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 mm. you know it doesn't you know it doesn't really go anywhere. It's just simply mm. a slightly weaker version of the first film. Mm. There's some good stuff in it, but mm -hmm. yeah, but this is like like you said, it's I yeah, it's one of them, it's one of those. I mean, it it it's obviously become a, a much bigger sort of cool mm -hmm. thing and and you know and i'm sure like yourself i'm on a lot of sort of cool collector's sites and things like that on facebook mm -hmm. and and people are obsessed with this film you know mm -hmm. much more than halloween 2 which kind of did well initially at the box office. yeah this did this didn't but i think in the long run people are more obsessed with this this is the one that people would want uh mm -hmm. you know they'd want that kind of boutique blu-ray box set of you know because oh, yeah. you people do scrabble after this one and it is mm -hmm. uh i i, I don't know i it, it seems odd that um that it that, that it didn't sort of catch fire straight away because it yeah. th it's got a lot of elements because i think obviously halloween is you know made in the 70s it's a very 70s film and you can mm -hmm. say that the second film is still has that hangover of the 70s it's, there is still a whiff of the 70s in this one, but it feels mm -hmm. more progressive. It feels like it's aware. In mm -hmm. the same way that American Wolf in London is very, it feels like an 80s film, whereas The Howling came out the same year, feels like a 70s film. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. taps into a lot of concerns and fears of mm -hmm. the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, I think this one has that kind of, you know, obviously we've got Tom Atkins, um, who is the archetypal hero <laughs> and, but, yeah, know, absolutely i mean uh, you know I, I, I love him you know god bless him yeah. I, I like him in maniac cop and all that kind of stuff and uh mm -hmm. but it is I, what i do think is really charming about this is it, it's not so much he's miscast because he's good at that kind of hero thing it's just mm -hmm. the fact that they give him 
he's supposed to be a doctor and he's like these these not he's not spent one day in university let alone seven (laughs) years there's no fucking way this character has sat down and done his studying this is absolutely no fucking way it's like when they do sort of films with the rock or whatever or you know dwayne johnson (laughs) and he's meant to be some sort of uh you know, uh, marine biologist or something. So the, the fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> That's he, a big he no. Sh- he should be punching tanks, not 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 studying fish, you know, or whatever. But I, it's yeah. that kind of thing. And I do think, you know, it. The, <laughs> I love it, but let's face it, there are there are there are some very cheesy scenes in this. I mean, oh, you know, even absolutely. by 80s standards, they're very cheesy. The whole sort of well shall 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 i sleep on the floor or shall i sleep in the car or it's just like oh god it's the you know now it kind of grates a little bit because she's clearly like 20 years younger than him and it's like absolutely and she's just lost she's just lost a a relative you know she's meant to be in mourning but you know yeah but he got off with jamie lee curtis in the exactly Exactly. i wonder what he'd done if if he'd been involved in this sort of carpet production after that if what he would have slept with then yeah, but yeah, it he is a bit two dimensional, but it fits the, the the quickness of the story, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what? Let's just wind back a little bit, because I mean, if we yeah. talk about, I mean, how how do you feel about the original Halloween in seventy eight? Because I mean, it is, you know, most people, it's almost like sacrilege to say anything bad about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I am going to say anything bad about it, but I'm just wondering yeah, yeah. what your feelings are. Because to me, it's a great carpenter film. I'm not sure it's my favourite carpenter film. Yeah. Though. It, it's a it's a great film. It's, it's it's a good solid film, saved by its score and the the Dean as Dean Cundy did the did the cinematography and obviously the opening shot is just magnificent, copied to death by countless of the people. It is plodding at times and the dialogue bless them even teenagers in the 70s didn't speak like that <laughs> but it, it is a good effective horror you know the lack of blood is always a surprise you know and it's all horny teenagers who all look 45 you know yeah, like they yeah, did yeah, in all yeah, american yeah. films in seventy. but to, to me it's a good it's a good film i i do like the um the 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 the, the extended cut the tv version that gives yeah. Loomis more time to talk about stuff like that but Donald Pleasance is just brilliant in this, you know. You know, and I think he spent the rest of his his career trying just trying to top that, and couldn't. And, and the second one, like you mentioned, it's it's just a it's just a by the numbers sequel, really. You know, yeah. Get, you know, get Jimmy Lee's name in here, but put her in bed for most of the movie, like Halloween <laughs> Kills, and uh, yeah. you know, God, you know, was it was it what was the catchphrase from Halloween Kills? Oh, so it stops tonight. Yeah, it? yeah, Death yeah. Stops so, tonight or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they say so, so they say a, they say a couple of times during that film, don't they? Just they mention <laughs> yeah. it once or twice, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the the photography it really is what Halloween the original one's all about. It, it's amazing. The the the, the setups that the, from the leaves falling down, even though that all that was just put on for the film, and you know the shots, the, the use of cinemascope, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, and and there, there are some brilliant. I mean, it's a very quiet film at times, and that that the mm-hmm. ten, and, and obviously coupled with you know the music is great as well. But the you know my favorite, one of my favorite, and you know, and I say every time I watch it, I say this. My, my favorite bits is it is the car. You know, when she gets in the car and it's mm-hmm. steamed up, and she suddenly yeah. realizes that this is caused by somebody's breath. It's brilliant. It's really mm-hmm. well done. 
um so yeah. there's, there's this great stuff in it um what about i mean going even further back uh because this obviously comes up quite a lot when we talk about halloween and and it's almost become a cliche but i think there is there is something in it um yeah. what do you think of have you seen black christmas what, what yeah. do you think of black christmas Cause yeah I, I, I love that, that film it is good that shows you that's more uh, of a um a hack and slash one that's very raw you know that's it's almost exploitation level but it's so well done you know yeah. and you know and i know the audience grew afterwards for it but i really do think that um it's on par with, with halloween you know, and it, it's maybe it'd be a bit too nasty for people at times, but it's, um, I, I don't know, again, the set pieces in that are brilliant. You know, you know, the phone calls, you know, that was very original at the time. Uh, how he was speaking to people, the whispering and things like that. I, I just thought, and it was a great cast. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Like I said, the phone calls, it's great. And I think it the, mm -hmm. the, the fact that they're trying to trace the call and the physical, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, obviously now it would be very different digital, but then mm -hmm. they're trying to physically trace it. It's really, really good. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the cliche is, oh, you know, Hall uh, Carpenter borrowed a lot from this. I don't know whether he did, whether he was aware of it or not. Mm -hmm. um, it, it doesn't really matter because I think you can still enjoy both films. And there's still, I, I, mm -hmm. I, I marginally prefer Black Christmas because I think it's just got right. more of a, it's kind of a film I dig out at Christmas and I'll watch it, you know, in December. And, mm -hmm. and I like, which is slightly different to Halloween, but I like the tonal shifts in it as well, which is mm -hmm. not all everybody's cup of tea, but I like the fact that you've got these black comedy elements. You've got the housekeeper who's pissed all the time, you know, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. That, it's really good. And I, I love all that. Yeah. But I think the one thing, you know, Carpenter, Obviously, Carpenter is a great filmmaker, and he, he deserves the respect <laughs> he's got. But I think, the, other than the fact that there, there is possibly this kind of Black Christmas link, mm -hmm. the people don't often necessarily link. Because mm -hmm. Carpenter, you're not telling me that Carpenter didn't take a lot from sort of Italian giallo cinema, you know, particularly yeah. that you know the point of view shots. You know, Carpenter is yeah. often cited as being, oh, we kind of came up with that. No, he fucking didn't. You know. <laughs> Shallow, you know, oh, people Mario Barber and Argento and people like that were doing it yeah. way before then. Michael Myers could have been wearing a black glove through most of the film. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you write the setups and you're seeing the blade coming down. It only lacks the blood giallo uh, uh, or however you pronounce the giallos. Um, ah, you know, just like the blood. The boobs yeah. were there. It just like the blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so James, uh, I you know obviously we're talking about the Halloween franchise and Halloween three in particular, uh, yeah. but I was, I was thinking as a slight tangent, what what are your personal thoughts on Halloween? the the holiday as they call it in america because obviously halloween it's become a lot more commercial over here mm -hmm. uh but i still think it's still a kind of half-assed version to what the yeah. americans do and, yeah. and, and i think we have a different most people have a different take on it in this country so what what's your view on halloween as we see it 
on on American screens yeah. as compared to what we the reality of it over here. Yeah, I've never witnessed anything as exuberant <laughs> as, as America always uh, always does it. When I was younger, we didn't even have pumpkins. We used to cut off turnips or yeah, snot, yeah. as we used to call them, and it used to take forever. I mean, it's yeah. smallest turnip, you scoop, 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 and then you spray a, a black bin liner on, like a witch's cape. You know, if you could get one of those cheap plastic masks, similar to what Tom's character in Halloween 3 buys for his children and they hate, we used to wear those. Yeah, yeah. You just couldn't, and that was, you know, then trick-or-treating. You know, they'd have a really bad, long white candle that always used to burn your hands as you walked across the place. You know, never, I've never seen anything that's um, been as so as, as well done as um, <laughs> as the American version. We never got oh. as much candy as they did, either. No, no. I, 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 it, 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 I mean, like a lot of things when I was growing up in the 70s, 80s, it was kind of everything. Yeah. You, you just wanted to be in America, didn't you? That was it. It was just <laughs> like, and, and you looked at, as much as I enjoy being a kid for a lot of the time, you, you know, looking back, 70s especially was a pretty fucking grim place in this country. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it's probably was a, it's okay if you're a kid, but I think if you're an adult in the 70s, it's fucking grim. Um, yeah. yeah and, I, and I think there was always, and I, yeah, I, I was the same, you know, pumpkin, pumpkins, what were they? You didn't have pumpkins. You know, we had a little, yeah, a little turnip. And I had a little birthday candle inside it, or something <laughs> like that. Um, That's really beautiful, and I, that. And I, yeah, but, but my mate, uh, we went out trick or treat with him. I got like a little turn. <laughs> he didn't even have that. He had a potato. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking potato! Oh, it's like Jesus. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like, but now it's like you know, it gets to sort of mid September, and and the supermarkets are just full of. Costumes on just, you. they're just going to be chucked in fucking landfill like a week later or mm -hmm. whatever you know it's just so mm -hmm. I, I i always feel and I, I kind of like the whole shocktober thing i i get why people are into it and i get why pete horror fans might want to be mm -hmm. into it but for me it is that you know it is kind of that thing of you know, I leave my thing alone. You can't have it. You know, it, it, yeah. I, I know that's churlish, and I, I should be kind of encouraging more people to be into horror. But I hate this thing of like, oh, it's October. I'll watch some horror films. You can watch them yeah. any time you like. You don't have to wait till October. Yeah, but it, it I, I, like I a get... trend. Yeah, yeah. In a fashion, yeah. that's it. Yeah. People, are, people are, are experts in Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth or so. All of a sudden. Then they don't watch them again for another eleven months. Yeah, in the same way that I will probably watch a football match every four years. You know, that's probably <laughs> it. That's my limit. And uh, but I don't. Yeah. But the difference is, I don't pretend to be an expert. I don't fuck yeah. all about football. You know, I know my <laughs> stuff when it comes to horror films. I really fucking do. So you know, yeah. get stay off my patch. <laughs> get off my <laughs> pumpkin, pumpkin patch. More me turn it patch. <laughs> He's potato patch. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If you're the poorer kid down the road, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, bless him. The the uh, I, I think what this film, I think I think this is probably um, the residue of kind of Ni Ni Nigel Neal, is that mm. we are presented with this, you know, supernatural stroke science fiction type mm. force, uh, uh, which you know in this case comes in the form of uh, a celebrated 
company, this silver shamrock company. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've got, you know, uh, Dan O'Hurley, uh, uh, Dan O'Hurley as the, you know, Cochrane, yeah. you know, and, and he had, uh, you know, he, he started in the mid forties, his film career, yeah. he had a, you know, you talk about prolific, he had a prolific mm -hmm. film career, but of course, a lot of people would know him as that, you know, from this film as being the sort of corporation head and, but all, mm -hmm. obviously in Robocop as well, he does a oh, very believe, similar yeah. sort, you know, yeah. but I think there is something slightly more, I mean, in Robocop, it's over the top black mm -hmm. comedy, you know, that mm -hmm. he is very it's a very satirical film i think this is satirical as well as well in a slightly different way i i do think you know as with you know dawn of the dead from a few years earlier which obviously you know people celebrate as being this thing which is anti-commercialism all this kind of stuff and mm -hmm. this suggestion of the the zombies wandering yeah. around a supermarket you know a, a, a shopping mall just you know loading the trolleys or whatever mm -hmm. you know obviously you know very sort of anti-capitalist anti-commercial but yeah. i mean the, the, you could argue that this i mean i don't i don't think it's it's shoved in your face in quite the same way but it is mm -hmm. it, it, it is a it's looking at well do we need to commercialize you know something like halloween in this this way but but also mm. on a wider level this is about america and mm. I, I i think it's interesting that you know one of the most uh, one of the characters the key characters is is the is buddy and his wife and his kid and, the, and they're going around the factory at cochran's kind of behest mm -hmm. him being this kind of biggest salesman and it almost you know it kind of feels like you know he's just swallowing this shit and he, he doesn't even <laughs> you know he wouldn't question it for a second yeah. even though he's walking into his death you know yeah he would not question this shit for a second and it is there are mm. parallels with what's happening now in america all the, mm. the, the kind of trump thing and the people that how it's people just believe stuff yeah, yeah. It, i think it really does tap into that this film it says a lot about that kind of american corporate bullshit these lies that are just yeah. thrust on people yeah, and you know, the commercialism of it as well. It's the, the adverts were constantly on, and it's it made parents or the children make the parents buy the product. This is the must have. This is the must have. And this came at the height of the Cabbage Patch Kids phenomenon at the same time in America. And it's only in retrospect going back over the last few years you realise these subtleties all the way through, and how this big corporation took over this this town and hollowed it out and took it over and you knew the people had to do everything the factory managers said because if they left that town there'd be nothing you know and like you say you know parents your dad was a miner my dad was a miner when the mine shut down places did become desolate you know and it, yeah. that was true that would what would have happened when the mines closed down in my area shops closed people moved away you know and it took years to regenerate i think that fear is there all the way through that film subtly you know, I think that's a really great part of the, of the script and of that. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I think yeah, I know, uh, I, I know. There's certainly, you know, I, I'm Nottinghamshire based, but there's certainly parts of Nottinghamshire which which have mm -hmm. never regenerated, really. Not not mm -hmm. you know that they're still half empty. They're still you know mostly boarded up and stuff like that. It, it just never yes. really took off. So yeah, I think this, I think a there's a lot of stuff you know because I think in in that sense you you know it's not as grim maybe but i think you know in some ways there are connections with a film like texas chainsaw massacre you know texas chainsaw massacre is about you know we can see this this bizarre 
cannibalistic family but they are the remnants of where what happens <laughs> when the corporate sweep in and decimate an area and there's nothing yeah. left you know and they literally turn to eating each other you know but yeah. i think also you, you could look from a few years later after this film something like um you know child's play you know, yeah. you you lit you, and that's like you know that sense of commercialization, like you're saying, you know, toys yeah. being thrust in your face, and that that kind of those cabbage yeah. batch kids or whatever the fate the yeah. fad is for that year, and this kind of, you have to have this, yeah. and I think that was a really good um, sort of uh, summation of that. You know, this this yeah. toy will will literally kill you. You know, this this <laughs> thing will will run around in your house with a an axe or a knife or whatever coming after you. I think that's a really good. Whether they intended it or not, it feels like yeah. a, a damnation of that sort of over commercialization mm -hmm. uh, aimed at children. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and and sort of some of those issues were kind of, uh, you know born out i think you know with a look at mm -hmm. with the fuss they made of charles play three which yeah. was seemingly responsible for the the bulger murder case yeah. absolute tosh you know you know you, you you've got to look at the stuff that was going on in those kids families at the time and that's that's more difficult to talk about and process mm -hmm. it's easier yeah. to break blame uh, a, a video not a straight to video nasty mm -hmm. piece you know mm -hmm. so i i think that this film is is kind of part and parcel of that i think he's got a lot to say about that that stuff and it does mm -hmm. it really cleverly and entertainingly because i think that's the other thing and i think mm -hmm. sometimes what we've lost it within horror sometimes within horror films or science fiction is that you either have to have something that that is um over the top and kind of throw away and sort of more vacuous and it's the spectacle mm -hmm. or you have the kind of art house film that deals with these issues you know mm -hmm. but it's perfect this film shows and a lot of films showed in the 80s that it's perfectly possible to do both yeah. robocop was a big spectacular science fiction blockbuster action film mm -hmm. which was about as satirical as you could get and incredibly yeah. political this film yeah. is as well it, you know they live by carpenter you know later on that is a, mm -hmm. a very sort of funny entertaining but also makes incredibly serious points about mm -hmm. about uh, about just blindly following what your government mm -hmm. says you should do you know all of this kind of stuff so it's really part it doesn't have to be art house or throwaway no. you, you can do both and i think it's a tougher gig to do that so maybe yeah. that's why there's this separation mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. but i think you can do something which is entertaining and big mm -hmm. blockbusterish and yeah. say something as well yeah. you know yeah. you know, and I, know, know I, I know tommy lee wallace you know directed yeah. it and, and, and that but it's 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 calmed all the way through wasn't it really yeah it's definitely i i it has absolutely the feel of carpenter you know and, mm -hmm. and obviously they they were there you know deborah hill and carpenter were there to produce mm -hmm. it and and i don't think they wanted initially they didn't want anything to do with the third halloween film because mm -hmm you know as we've said you know it's kind of run its course so they mm -hmm. weren't keen on bringing michael myers back so mm -hmm. they said the condition being we'll do this and want to do something different and i think that's what you get with this film mm -hmm. now uh unfortunately i i think what a lot of what horror film or some people who kind of want to be horror films and uh, again it's something where mm -hmm. 
to me, as much as I have that nostalgia for certain films, I mm-hmm. want the next thing. Mm-hmm. I want I want the next thing, and mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's necessarily what a lot of other people want when it comes to horror. I think they want a repetition. Mm-hmm. You know, they they want to see um, Jason, you know, hacking yeah. people up, and they yeah. want to see another version of Michael Myers. But yeah. but I'm always I'm always looking or rooting for people that are trying to do something different and strange mm-hmm. and, and and take it away from what I think this was a really brave thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think in the long run now it's seen as more of a classic. But I think mm-hmm. yeah, it was a shame that it wasn't really picked uh, up on then because I think it has that that sort of Rod Serling sort of Twilight Zone ish mm-hmm. quality as well. And it, and it stays with you because you realise. The true horror of this is he's sac- the sacrificing children for yeah, this yeah, 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 yeah. pagan god. You know, you know how more horrific can you get? You know, he's planning a global, you know, deaths of billions, millions and billions of children, and, and and that's the true horror of it. Without having to really emphasize the point that yes, it does. When when the the salesman the uh, gets the two of the factory and that sequence, you know, the, the mum and dad and the son has when they're watching the advert, all the the, the uh, snakes and spies come out, the melted faces when they've had the things, the masks on. Even though that horror's there, you don't really realise the end when he's trying to shut down the TV station. They, oh my God, all these kids are going to die. And this is part of the plan and do they or don't they? You know, and that's a brilliant cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, like you say, there's something a bit like you say, it, it you know, with Michael Myers, it, it's limited. It's just one guy mm-hmm. coming to hack some people mm-hmm. up. Yeah, it, it, yeah, Carpenter did some really interesting stuff with the first film, but after mm-hmm. that, there's nothing else to really say, you know. And mm-hmm. obviously, a legion of horror fans disagree with me, but for me, yeah. there's nothing else to say. This has something to say about mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, and I think it it says it really well in an entertaining way. Um, the, that that's the problem with, with with the last two or three screen movies. It's just repetition, you know. It's very formulaic. You know, it's just going to be jump scare, jump scare, death, jump scare, jump scare, death, and that's it. You know, and, you know, I will go and see Scream Seven when it comes out. Like I went and saw Exorcist Believer because I wanted to see it, but at least with Saw X, they did something different. It's very, very. The first hour isn't isn't a Saw film. It's brilliant. It's very subtle. It's very dramatic. Tobin Bell acts his socks off. You know, it's really, really good. And that at least they did something totally different. Obviously, yeah. the last forty five minutes is it's a Saw film, but you know, they're just not trying. And Halloween ends was just awful. Yeah, I, I think it's just there's a difference between it's like something. I, I think it's good to be aware of what's gone in the past. And I think you yeah. can echo those films without actually doing those films again. You know, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like, you know, X to me, that obviously there are many nods to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it's also, you know, framing it in a way which is, you know, a more intelligent take on that. And and it's, it's, it's kind of, whereas Texas Chainsaw Massacre was made in 74 and, and, you know, we can view it as a film made in 74. X is clearly a modern film, which is using that aesthetic, but presenting it to a 21st century audience. So I think it's Mm -hmm. more interesting. It's as interesting because it's doing something different Mm -hmm. with it to just Mm -hmm. repeat a formula over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's it's endemic of a wider Mm -hmm. 
studio head sort of executive thing in that yeah generally misinterpret what what made a film popular in the first place mm -hmm. i think that's halloween halloween ends has the best 10 minutes i've seen in horror for a while that that's you know that sequence is brilliant and the way it has the same text font as halloween 3 did you know little things like that was great it just it went too much on a tangent to be interesting there was you know it, it was too much oh, i'm sorry there's, there's not enough um laurie and michael to really put a full end to the film you know and it just it just seemed like oh we've got to put michael in let's have the last 10 minutes and it'll be okay you went from killing machine to like OAP over the course of the films you know the last two especially but um i, I always thought halloween 3 would have been really good if they'd done it the same way as they did friday the 13th the series and ha had it stylized like that and maybe done it as a tv movie even though it's great as a film, I love it as a film. Maybe then that would have found a broader audience. Yeah, I think you can. I'm not saying don't revisit stuff because I think mm -hmm. it, it's always good to do that. Some of my favourite films have been remakes. You know, uh, right. absolutely, The Thing, uh, oh. uh, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. All that. You know, oh, I could yeah. list go on and on and on. Yeah. You the know, one of the dead one for me was just yeah, it, it's you know, good. that was superb. You know, I always feel like Zack Snyder that he. I feel like because I think a lot of his stuff I really don't like. Um, no, but I always feel like if he does make a good film, it's almost like by accident. <laughs> it's like because I I think Dawn of the Dead is genuinely good, and yeah. I think it's good because you can see it's not just about riffing on the first film, the, the yeah. Romero original. You can see yeah. elements of zombie flesh eaters in there and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. he, he kind of knows that stuff, so it's good to draw that in. I think it was something like Watchmen. I mean, I was a, I was a massive Alan Moore fan, and I loved the comic books. Mm -hmm. And so I was I was kind of very trepidatious when he did that. And I think he present he looks good, but I'm not convinced he has any understanding really of the material that Alan Moore mm -hmm. was was dealing mm -hmm. with. It, it it's a very surface level interpretation, yeah. I think. Very few um, places do. But I think that. Um, in terms of revisiting stuff, I mean, uh, coincidentally, uh, I've just started watching the new version of Interview with a Vampire, which uh, right, is yeah. an a AMC production, but it's on BBC mm -hmm. iPlayer. It's really good. I was kind of mm -hmm. like, oh, do we need do we need another version of this? You know, and I, I really like it. I really rate it. I think what they've mm -hmm. done with it um you know they've gone for more diverse casting and all this and they've shifted the date so it kind of starts rather than starting slightly early it starts in 1910s and you've got louis is now mm -hmm. like a black character who's a pimp and but it's mm -hmm. it's really interesting it works. really ramp up the sexual sort of side of it as well and i know i mm -hmm. can see when i'm watching it i can see what the complaints will be on certain cult horror forum oh well you know Lestat wasn't yeah. gay or, or this wasn't yeah. it's like oh fuck off you know as if it's not about <laughs> fucking that that book is not about male seduction what the fuck is it about yeah you know, yeah for my sake you know what i mean so uh, it's like when dracula people moan about dracula like the recent version of dracula where a TV version where he yeah. was bisexual and people mm. complaining about that. It's like, for fuck's sake, he rips people's throats out. You've got no problem yeah. with that. Be worried about that. Somebody's yeah. whining about him being a fucking bisexual. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, on that bombshell. Uh, any other thoughts on Halloween 3? 
Yeah, I, 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 what I loved, like we're going back to the key scenes in the film. There's that many really good key scenes. There's the hospital scene after the guy's been stalked to stole a mask from the factory at the beginning. That that murder yeah, scene, yeah, yeah. referring yeah. to the uncut version, is just brilliant. It's very, it, you know, again, t- Tommy Wallace uses Carpenter's score and Alan Howard's score because we did it together to prime effect. It's very simple score, the explosion, you know, it really sets the tone of the film. And, and the little touches, that the nods, um, like when he's in the bar um, and the, 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 um, the, the Silver Shamrock advert's on for the first time, which is the best jingle in the world ever written. Yeah. And yeah. when it fades off, Michael Myers masks on screen, which I'd never yeah, seen yeah, before yeah, until yeah, I saw yeah, the 4K. Yeah, yeah. I'd never yeah. seen that. And the, then the meta part, seeing the Halloween TV spot on when he's trying to watch football in the bar. You yeah. know, I think that's brilliant. But I, I, I do think um, Conal Cochran is, is just one of the best buddies in a horror film because he just, he's, he, you know, he's, I know he didn't really like the picture when it was finished, but I just think the way he, his smarminess with the families is just perfectly captured. You know, he's very Trump-esque, smoozing people, you know, playing up to the part, the character and things like that. And you know he's evil, but he's a, he's a really good bad guy. You know, in the the way it, it talks about commerciality, the way the company went on and did they live, you know, in, in, that was just, you know, that was probably one of his greatest films ever. That was totally misunderstood for years anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and the way it just talks about corporate, but in a language everybody understands. Everybody's had it's the pressure to buy something. It's also that idea of Cochrane. I really like um, how they kind of drip feed it because they talk, you know, when, when Buddy and his family come and they're going through the museum mm-hmm. and he's saying, oh, look at all this classic stuff and, you know, this is how he started. He started off by making practical jokes and mm-hmm. and that and, and the extension of that being, well, why, mm-hmm. you know, because, um, you know, Tom Atkins, uh, as Dan says to him, why are you doing this? And he says, well, it's a joke. It's a joke. Mm-hmm. That is just what the what the best was is the best joke I could think of. You know, it's yeah. just this. You know, torturing people at Halloween through mm-hmm. commerciality and all this kind. Of, it, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's really good. So, do, you yeah, think it would have, so do you think it would have been the same if? Because I know Joe Dante was attached to the project and left it to do a segment in the Twilight Zone movie. How do you think it would have felt then? It's torn. Yeah, I. I I I don't know. I I'm kind of one of I don't I I don't mind the twi- I love Joe Dante, and mm-hmm. I don't mind the Twilight Zone movie. But I'm not. There's some great segments, but I'm not over. And and bizarrely, as much as I love Joe Dante, and I will defend Joe Dante to the end, I don't mm-hmm. really like his segment in the Twilight Zone the movie as well. But I think mm-hmm. it could have worked in that. But I'm glad that they did it as a, a feature film instead. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would have been shortchanged slightly. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a bit more goofy if it would it was in the Twilight Zone. And, but I think we're allowed to explore different things, and and I think it becomes mm-hmm. a more intelligent film because of that. Despite yeah. the fact that it's quite cheesy as well in some mm-hmm. in places. Actually, mm-hmm. overall, it's a quite intelligent yeah. film. Yeah, t- Tommy Lee Wallace keeps it fully grounded, doesn't he? It, is it keeps everything very real. Even yeah. though obviously the idea of some, being able to steal a piece of Stonehenge, 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's, 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 a, that's another thing you forget about it, you know, when, until you go back to, I oh, fucking, yeah, they've nicked some of Stonehenge. <laughs> what, what I like about the film is, is when, when he's, um, he says all oh, the, the uh, androids or robots, or whatever they are, still taking pieces from Stonehenge. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. though it's Halloween night, they're still producing the masks. They're like, just in case it doesn't work this year, they're going to try again next year sort of thing. You know, why yeah. they're still working. You know, everything's gone out. They could have had five minutes off, you know. That, yeah. I don't, you know, that's all, it's like those plot points, you know. It, it, it's but, just where Tom Atkins becomes, like, uh, the hero, you know, it's, totally it's by like, default. It's kind of like a lot of influences in this. Whether... whether um they were aware but obviously there's very much a uh a stepford wives type element and a sort of westworldy type element mm-hmm. as well yeah. and uh but also i think there's little things like the beginning the sort of uh that we, you talked about uh with the guy trying to get away that's got yeah. a very um in episode four we covered a film called messiah of evil i don't know if you're aware of that mm-hmm. we've come yeah it. it's a great film and the mm-hmm. the opening sequence reminds me of that and, and i think that they messiah of evil is more sort of cultish and it's more kind of dreamlike uh but i think that both films have this kind of you know there is there's almost uh, a Stephen King-ish element to it as well. This mm-hmm. this idea of a, a small town gone wrong, you know, something mm-hmm. is amiss with this, and I think that that bleeds out of this film especially as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I and like you said, I mean the the jingle is just it's just fucking brilliant it's really it is it, it's 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 a really uh, you know as someone said i put some stuff on facebook the other day that i was going to be covering this on t for terror mm-hmm. uh, and i just put the shamrock the silver shamrock logo on as, <laughs> as the image and you know people are coming as oh this is the most annoying jingle i say it's not fucking annoying it's brilliant yeah. it's excellent you know it's just a, yeah. yeah it's amazing you know and it I, captures you know, the advertising of the time, doesn't it? Because it had to be colourful, bright, and have a song that got on parents' nerves. And that caught yeah. the, you know, and that's got the kids sitting there singing. And knew the kids would sing it to the parents that actually did buy them the product. Yeah. And that was the master, you know, master stroke on that. It's kind of like a good companion piece to uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I think. It's got <laughs> that, that, you know, that, that let's torture some kids. <laughs> yeah, the gone wonky fact. Mind you, he did, didn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah, How many yeah. kids survived, you know, that trip yeah. of the Chocolate Factory? Not many, I bet. But yeah, I, I yeah. think um, I think still having that little bit of Nigel Neal in it gives it gravitas, you know, because Quatermass was brilliant. You know, I even enjoyed the John Mills one, you know, and even though, you know, it, was, it, was, it seemed a little bit tied by the end. And you can see the little bits of Neal in it all the way through. Yeah, I think that would have been good. I would love to have seen Carpenter do a do a, a quit the mass film. Yeah, yeah, uh, we can dream. Yeah, that that'd be good. But uh, yeah, I like yeah, I like all aspects of Nigel Neal. I really, I really mm-hmm. rate his stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm really, I I even like um, Beasts. Can you remember that TV show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the DVD of that some, one. Yeah, some, yeah, I've got the network DVD. It's, there's some great stuff on that. The mm-hmm. supermarket one is fantastic with Pauline Quirk. Mm-hmm. It's this weird. Sort yes. Of, it's like a, a, a council house Carrie, isn't she? She's a, mm-hmm. it's really, really good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's actually a movie in the making there. Council house Carrie, that'd be council good. Council house one. Carrie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, did, did, yeah, go on. 
how much do you think can't do influence Wallace's direction? I don't know. That's it's a good question because I, I think... uh, to me it's it's like the Toby Hooper Spielberg question for Poltergeist. You know that keeps coming up, does rounds every year. Do you think Wallace had had as much influence? Uh, sorry, can't had much influence with Wallace, or Wallace was allowed to get on with his own vision of, of the script? I don't know. I I mean I I mean I it definitely feels like Carpenter and Deborah Hill are kind of all over this, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it does feel like that. How, how, whether they were on set and whether they were whether they were controlling mm -hmm. anything, I don't really know. Um, but it it certainly feels like they had more control well there's it's certainly they probably had more control because they wanted to have more control and I'm, I'm not sure yeah. you know obviously we, we halloween was their film uh halloween yeah. 2 it was kind of like the sequel or whatever but this feels like it has more of their influence mm -hmm. because i it, think it, it might it might have been a slightly dafter film without their influence possibly mm -hmm. yeah and you know it my fault and i haven't mentioned deborah hill enough you know, for her her production work in this, you know, and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing. There's a documentary being made about the projects she made and things like that. I'm really looking forward to seeing as well because she does she does get left behind when it's a Camp Hill production, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a lot of talks at my local cinema called the Broadway, and uh, I do a lot of film talks and sometimes mm -hmm. do like Q and As and introductions and stuff. But you know, and I'm doing I'm doing a course at the minute called American Gothic, so I'm looking at the history of U.S. horror. But obviously, we're going to be mm -hmm. covering Carpenter. But yeah, I try and emphasize the influence of Deborah Hill on that mm -hmm. that sort of whole thing because I think yeah, I don't I don't think she gets enough credit sometimes. You know, it's always mm -hmm. Carpenter, Carpenter, Carpenter. And if yeah. there's a, a re restoration or if there's a revival, you know, the magazines mm -hmm. will have Carpenter's face on the front, and I don't think she does get enough. Mm -hmm credit often but um that's possibly our fault as well you yeah know, that's it, you I, know. i'm more than guilty for doing that you know that sort of thing but yeah it's but if you're going to watch halloween 3 you've got to get the uncut the uncut version yeah. i think show factory or screen factory released it on the 4k it's brilliant well, you know well when i watched it um yesterday because i've got i've got loads of films but i've got some of them in the attic and stuff and i think my halloween 3 is in the attic so I, I couldn't be bothered to get it down so i ended up finding uh i went on sort of online and i found a copy but it was it was literally uh they'd ripped it from a vhs so i got the proper right. early 80s experience watching the grainy sort yeah. of you know the the, 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 three the, prints, the yeah yeah the, the tracking wasn't quite right and so <laughs> i had the proper it's quite nice refreshing to do that because i think that we've lost something with the, it's it's nice to have these kind of 4K Blu-ray stuff, but mm -hmm. part of me thinks, well, yeah, but mm -hmm. you shouldn't be watching Zombie Flesh Eaters as a crystal clear Blu-ray 4K production. Yeah. You need it to be on VHS. Yeah. That's part of its charm, you know. Yeah, and that harks back to to what got you into horror in the first place. And I remember sitting yeah. watching on the end of my mum dad's bed if he, if they'd been out watching the Black White Portable with a little aerial sort of. Top trying to figure out if that's Boris Koloff's hand or his foot, or yeah, 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 yeah. when he's the mummy, you know, and you know, and, and watching a film for that quality again would be something. Maybe it should be in an extra perspective. I seen on TV <laughs> 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 and have it as fuzzy as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, James, have you got any anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, well, well Nick's uh, uh, going to be uh, hitting Freeview uh, later on today. The uh, channel is 289. So it's got to have its own dedicated Freeview channel where before you had to go through uh, like to Channel Box or Distro TV and find it. So it was like a fast channel. Now it's got its own dedicated channel on Freeview, which is great. Um, that's meant to be going live today. Hopefully that, that's all going well. Uh, and and you know, I'm covering festivals. You know, the Five Fest Halloween's come up, so I'm going to be covering that for Nick's. And, and hopefully, um, get stuff now for I supply news for Dark Side, and hopefully start getting back into some features. You know, and write books like you. Yeah, yeah, I've got a few bits coming out with Dark Side. Um, so yeah, they should be coming out in the next few months um yeah brilliant well um yeah so as usual um uh, do i really need to say this yeah please like and subscribe blah 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 you know followers wherever you follow wherever you listen to your podcast uh, listen to Tea for terror check us out on facebook and all that kind of jazz um it just remains for me to say thank you very much to my guest james whittington thanks for coming on mate pleasure mate no problem do it again sometime yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you got got another film you'd really like to do, just uh, drop me a line and let me, and you can come back on. Absolutely. Cool. Ah, remember to call round next time. Make yourself at home. You look like you're dying for a nice cup of tea for terror. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future.